0: What in the world is going on here? Why is our world full of pain and and violence and disease? In our study, we're going to learn from the Bible, and it's going to tell us exactly who's responsible. We're also going to learn when this terribly sick world of ours is going to be restored to its original state. So go get your Bibles, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, my friends. Let's open up with prayer. Father in heaven, I ask you to be with each and every one of us tonight. May your Holy Spirit open up our eyes and our hearts that we may learn from your word, God, about what is going on on this planet right now. Why the pain and suffering? We all go forward in the study, Lord, and hope to learn and to hear your voice and to remember that Jesus is the focus of all these studies. I ask you to be with each and every one of us, Father. And if we have any issues, God, that you put your hand on us And let us know that it's going to be okay. That you're going to get us and see us through this. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us throughout this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, before we begin, we need to review the theme for these studies, okay? And I want you to say it loud with me. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. So you and I are living in a war zone. And our chances of having something bad happen is extremely high as long as we live, live on this planet. The world has become a worldwide war zone. And it looks like this. A billion people go to bed hungry every night. Half of the world's people live on less than $2 a day. One woman dies at childbirth every minute, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. At least 50 million people have been martyred for their faith during the Dark Ages, but 221 million were estimated to have been murdered worldwide during the last century alone. Yes, we are living in a war zone. Our world is a war zone. And every one of us on this planet has been wounded. Some at birth and many at childhood, but all of us by the time we become adults, we've all been damaged. Some more than others, no one escapes. Now perhaps I can illustrate the point with a beautiful painting. Now it's obvious, the painter indeed puts a lot of work into this painting, he or she they produce something very lovely. Now look at this, how horrible, somebody comes up there with a can of red paint and splashes it all over their painting. The painting has been defiled. Look at what happened to this work of art. The painter would would be appalled if he or she saw what had been done to their creation. The same way that this painting came forth from the hand of its creator, beautiful, how earth came forth from the creator in perfection and beauty. Just as a beautiful painting has been damaged, God's beautiful creation is damaged as well. Now we see all around us, the suffering, the sickness, the pain. This is not how God meant meant for these things to be, no. The killing fields of Pol Pot in Cambodia that wasn't part of God's original plan. And God certainly didn't include millions would be systematically murdered in the Holocaust. He never intended for millions to suffer and die from AIDS, or for those to die in the pandemic. No, God originally created beasts to live in harmony, and not ravage and pray each other. God, he never planned for floods and famines and earthquakes to ravage our planet. No, No, none of this was the original plan of a loving God. See, these things are all a result of sin and evil and rebellion. But the good news, however, is that one day, one day, God is going to end all of this. He's going to bring our world back to its original beauty and perfection. But for now, for now, you and I live here in a fallen world. And the question that we want to address today is, how did earth, so full of beauty, become so terribly defiled? What caused so much misery and suffering? How could things happen if, as the Bible teaches, God is love? You know, a few years back, there was a survey that that was revealed. And the number one question on religious topics among university students is, if there is a God of love and he truly is all-powerful, why is this world in such a mess? Why is there so much pain and suffering? Now, as our answers unfold today... I want you to notice beautifully how the Bible answers this question. Now let's read what happened in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. And they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Revelation 12, verse 7 through 9. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Revelation 12, 12. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Luke 10, 18. Now, now let's review what we just learned from the Bible. First, we see clearly that there is a place in the universe called heaven. Second, that there are two groups of characters in heaven. There is a dragon also known as Satan, and the angels who follow him. And there is also Michael, which means in Hebrew, one who is like God, and the angels follow him. Third, we see that there was a great war in heaven, and Satan and his angels not only lost, but but they were evicted from heaven. And fourth, though this war began in heaven, where does it wind up? The Bible tells us, So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Revelation 12.9 The devil was cast out of heaven and he's come where? My friends, he's come to earth. Now one of the Bible says woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. Revelation 12.12 Why? Why? Well because Satan the devil this powerful being deceives the whole world who deceives the whole world, has set up headquarters here. That's the big picture. Now, according to the Bible, you and I are in the midst of battle. This battle that began in heaven. The Bible tells us to be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Indeed, my friends, we are all involved. Satan is our enemy, and he is after us. And he will use our family and our friends, and anything he can to hurt us. Now when Jesus was here, his disciples asked him, what is the most important commandment? Now notice what Jesus answered. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38. Now listen to this. According to Jesus, now think about it now. According to Jesus, The first and great commandment is to love God with all your heart. But how can love be commanded? Well, it can't. It can't. God, He can't force anyone to love Him. Love has to be freely given or it's not love. Thus, according to Jesus, the most important commandment is the one that God can't, even if He wanted to, He can't force us to do. And that is to love Him. Now let's notice again what the Bible says about Satan, this supernatural being who decided to stop loving and serving God. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. You were the anointed cherub who covers I established you. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. This is in Ezekiel 28 verses 12 through 15. Now what a creature, my friends. What a creature. He was beautiful and full of wisdom. The seal of perfection. Lucifer was perfect in his ways until on the day that he was created. But now let's look at the verse again. It says, You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Now you notice what else the Bible says about Lucifer? It says this. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. Another verse describes them like this. For he who have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I also sit on the mount of the congregation. On the farther side of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Isaiah 14, verse 13 and 14. How did Lucifer corrupt himself? Well, by deciding to love himself supremely and become his own God. This is when self-love first came into existence. And that's how Lucifer became Satan, or the devil. And the angels who followed him became his associate devils as well. Now, the big question is, how was Satan able to get a foothold on this earth? Well, the answer is found in the first few chapters of the Bible. The Book of Genesis, and it states this: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It also says, God not only created earth, but that was very, that it was very good. Then God saw everything that He had made; indeed, it was very good. I can only imagine the earth must have looked like early in its beauty. It must have been beautiful beyond description, because even now we catch glimpses of that beauty in nature, don't we? Now, God also created our first parents, Adam and Eve. And He placed them in the midst of the beautiful garden and gave them dominion over earth. And He then told them to be fruitful and multiply. The Bible says So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created Him. Male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish, over the birds over the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth in other words the whole earth it was originally under the under the control of two people adam and eve imagine what a wonderful gift my friends this whole world two people overseeing this whole planet but there was one stipulation my friends one stipulation adam and eve were told to avoid one tree in the garden that god placed them that tree was called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They were told not to eat the f- need to eat fruit. This is what the Bible says. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis 2, verse 16 and 17. Now you may ask why. It was a test of loyalty to God. That's why. For Adam and Eve... The tree was simply a test. How they were to use their freedom and choice. Would they obey God or do their own thing? My friends, we all have freedom of choice. And we all face the same test. Are we going to do our own thing and become our own God? Or will we love God enough to obey him? Now if we truly love God, then our conduct will prove it. Now back to our story. Now look who appears in the garden. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast on the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now we saw a snake earlier, remember, in the form of a dragon. The Bible says, So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Revelation 12.9 so Satan, in the form of a snake, appeared to Eve. And look what he was doing. He was trying to get her to eat. From one tree that wasn't supposed to, she wasn't supposed to eat from. Think about this, my friends. Out of a million yeses, Adam and Eve chose the one no. Can, can you understand that? Out of a million or billion yeses, they chose that one no. Well, anyway, I continue. Now she said, we may eat of the tree of the trees, the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God had said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And what? And what did Satan say? No, 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 no. You won't die. Wow. Now earlier we heard God say, eat from the tree and you'll die. And then Satan, the snake, says, no, you won't. You'll become like God. knowing good from evil. No wonder Jesus calls Satan the father of lies. He's really good at it. Now basically, Satan told Eve that she would, be, would become her own God. And there is a religion that teaches this, that you will become your own God. I'm not going to say what, who it is, but that is something that Satan said. Now this, my friends, is the essence of sin. Rebelling against God. Doing things our own way, against God's instructions. So what happened next? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes... A tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her. She also gave it to her husband with her. And he ate. My dear friends. We do this. We often follow our spouses in the wrong direction. We must both be vigilant and serve God together. That's important. Eve was alone. She. This is when she met up with the snake. Never, never ever leave your spouse alone, any temptation areas? Now to continue now, faster than you could say, just a minute Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and acquired the immediate change of his nature they became rebels you could say they had a, spiritually they had mad cow disease of the soul rebellion and selfishness became the norm in them and in all nature as well, not just in themselves but in all nature as well It wasn't long before the lion killed the first zebra. Soon other animals started feeding on each other. Death was spreading everywhere. Adam and Eve passed his new rebellious natures to their children. And not many years later, what? Their first son murdered the younger brother. Such were the results of two people doing things their way instead of God's. And that's how Satan got control of this planet. All this because of eating a piece of fruit. Right? No, no. All this because of, of them rebelling against God. They crowned themselves as God. They placed their opinions above God's authority. And that's how God's adversary brought suffering, violence, pain, and death to our world. Cast out of Satan, set up, Satan decided to set up his shop here on earth. He claimed this planet, the whole human race, as his own. Now he could demonstrate how he would run this universe and if you, how he, this is how he was demonstrating how he would be if he was in charge of the universe. Now you and I are primary witnesses to Satan's government. It ultimately brings destruction and death. It results in war, crimes, diseases, and natural disasters. What a horrible contrast between these things and, and God's original plan for humanity's unending love Satisfaction, joy, and gladness. One of the worst consequences of sin is what it's done to human nature. Every one of us now is naturally bent to do evil. To dirt, we're all determined to be our own god. The Bible says in Jeremiah seventy-nine that the heart is deceitful above all things. The Bible tells us and desperately weak, wicked. Who can know it? Now have you ever said and done something hard that just horrified you? And then later you perhaps you said this, I can't believe I said or did that. I mean, all of us have been there and because of our nature, that's corrupted by sin. It's corrupted, my friends, by our first parents of choice to be their own gods, to do things their way. Every time we choose our own standard of right and wrong, we become our own God. And as a result, Always very, very bad. But the good news to both you and me is this God did not abandon us to Satan. No. No. From the very beginning, from before Adam and Eve's rebellion, God had a plan to rescue us from the devastation and the consequences of sin. It's called the gospel, my friends. The word gospel means good news. And let me tell you, the gospel is good news indeed. What it tells us is that God made provisions to forgive our sins and give us the power to live new lives in Him. Yes, we can have victory over our bad habits, my friends, over things that's ruining our lives and the lives of those around us. The Bible tells us God is love. And loving God would not, our loving God, my friends, would not leave this planet in the hands of His enemy. Not without a fight. You best believe that. The Bible tells us this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. But have everlasting life. John 3.16 my friends. Now what exactly did Jesus do for you and me? The Bible says Jesus became one of us. He lived a perfect life. He died with our sins on him. On a lonely cross who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. Jesus says, just as he offered Adam the ability to choose to love and worship me, I offer him a human race, a, I offer the human race, my friends, a second chance, the same second chance. But salvation is not... Be, is not to be because I, they obey me. No, that's what Jesus is saying. No, salvation is to be a gift, a free gift. The Bible says the inevitable the inevitable consequences of our rebellion is death. But you know, if we choose to love and worship God, then he will give us the gift of eternal life through, Jesus, through Christ Jesus our Lord. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all, all shall be made alive. First Corinthians fifteen twenty-two. When we claim Jesus, my friends, as our best friend, we're given a fresh start and we're promised eternal life. Just think about that. The first Adam fell into sin. The second Adam, Jesus, didn't. He never sinned. And the good news of the gospel is that we can have a perfect life. Because Jesus credited it to us. And when we accept Jesus, we stand before God in Him. And so death is done away with. My friend, Jesus offers you and me eternal life today if we accept Him as our Savior and Lord. I hope you won't delay to accept His wonderful gift. All around us, we see the results of sin. But God, God promises one day that all this will be gone. And we can have a share in this eternal kingdom. Right now we see the defilement brought on by Satan. The good news is this defilement is temporary. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our rebellion. And so he can return to the earth and return this earth to its original beauty. Then it will become our eternal home, especially for those who love him. And you can be there, my friend. You can be there. Here's a story. He was the only son of a very wealthy family. He had everything money and love could buy. But by the time he was 21, young Frank threw it all away. He dropped out of school. He began hanging around with the wrong people, and despite his parents' pleas for him to change his ways, he eventually disappeared. Frank moved to another part of the country, he got involved in alcohol and drugs. Time and again, hating his life, he thought about going home. But he was sure that his parents were so angry at what he had done that they would never accept him. In despair, he continued drinking and doing drugs until eventually he became homeless, wandering the streets of a large American city. Meanwhile, his parents never stopped loving him, never stopped praying for him, and they never stopped wanting him back. One day on television, There was a special program about the homeless, and the camera focused in on the face of a bedraggled, bearded, worn-down homeless man in a shelter. The father, who had just happened to be switching channels, saw the face and instantly cried out to his wife, That's Frank! That's our Frank! They could see through the dirt, the grime, and the damage. This is their beloved son. It took the father a long time to locate Frank. He had to get in touch with the TV producers and and find the photographer. But eventually, he located the city and the shelter. Day after day, the father visited the shelter, waiting, praying, walking the streets until finally one day, he found Frank. Dirty, filthy, smelling from booze. It didn't stop his father from grabbing him, hugging him, and telling him that he loved him and forgave him. Frank couldn't believe it. He then asked his father with tears in his eyes, Why are you here? What are you doing? And his father, looking compassionately into that dirty face, said, Frank, I've come to take you home. Our Heavenly Father is saying the same thing to you and me right now, my friends. Regardless of how we look, regardless of what miserable things we may have done, he tells us, I paid the price to set you free. My friends, I want you at this moment, if you want to accept Jesus, Lord. He loves you. You come as you are. He wants you. He wants you to pledge his allegiance to God. He wants to be on He wants you to be on His side in this war. If you're accepting, if you're choosing, my friends, to accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, and you decide to let Him live in and t- take over your life. Do so now. Do so now, my friends. We'll be back with our closing prayer. My friends, before I pray, I just want you all to know that God is with you. Always. What you don't think he is, he is. Let us pray, my friends. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that even amid the defilement brought to this world by Satan and sin, that your love, your love still shines through, Father. Thank you. Thank you for, for the promises of, that because of Jesus, Satan and sin and all the defilement will one day be gone forever. Right now, we want to claim that promise, my friends. We want to claim that promise of Jesus that we can each have a place in that earth made new where Satan and evil will, not, will be no more. Think about it, my friend. No more suffering, no more pain. Father, your spirit has been touching the hearts of many who are here or listening to this podcast. Be close to them, Lord. May they each feel your presence beside them as they make the decision about letting you, letting you lead them in their lives and, and turning their lives over to the control of heaven. And thanking you for hearing our prayer, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My dear friends, Our next study will be what happened on the cross. It'll be the good news, my friends. The good news of salvation. Until next time, this is Robert with our time in God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you. May the Lord hold you in His hand. May the Lord richly embrace you. And may His holy angels protect you. Until next time, this is Robert. Have a great day. Bye-bye.